You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Hello there, Star Wars fans. How the hell are you doing? Uh, welcome to another week of Holy Trow, an all-tiling podcast. Holly, how you feeling? Nice and nice and dry from a full eight hours of tiling? I told... I said yeah. earlier, Come on. I had so much mortar on my hands. Yeah. I was like, I'm ready to go commit a crime. Yeah. Don't quote me on no, that. No, there's literally no fingerprints here. None. Nothing. I mean, smooth smooth as a baby's bottom. Luke, I mean, what do you think of the new podcast name, uh, Holy Trowel? I mean. I'd like to use an alias if their crime's about to be committed. I don't <laughs> want to be too closely tied to this. So call me, um, call me um, Krell. We can do that. I was actually thinking Luke with two U's. Yeah, they might figure that one out. <laughs> Could be too close. Could be too close. Guys, I do kid. Uh, welcome to uh, another uh, installment of Flying Casual. Just a lot of tiling going on in our lives. So it makes all the tiling, Holly, I feel like that's just all we talk about now. Yeah. Because it just exhausts us every weekend. But um, not to the point yeah. where Michael's so tired he can't talk about it anymore. Yeah, no, I'll keep talking about it. I feel like <laughs> I could talk about tiling as much as I can Star Wars now. So maybe we do have another podcast, and it's just about DIY tiling. That's fine. The tips and the tricks. Accelerating. I mean, you can. <laughs> I could post one video on a, ti- on a tip for tiling and Phrasing. get 900,000 views. Which it could you? I don't know. That's well, I guess test. those are two different questions. Could, Could I? you? Could you? Ugh, it probably wouldn't be that successful. Let's uh, be honest. But uh, yeah, guys, enough tile talk, uh, though I think Holy Trout's pretty real. That's a good name. Um, so trademark, uh, copyright, register, that, whatever you Is do. that how that works? I don't know. Slap it on. It might exe- expect you to be reciting like Bible <laughs> verses as you're... Seriously. Troweling the oh, tile. This is a religious podcast. He I don't know how I feel about that. Blesses every tile he places on the wall. <laughs> that I mean, that was kind of happening. Let's be it honest. It wasn't really blessing. It was more like cursing. It, well, yeah, and, and yeah. hey, check out my Blaspheming. awesome Blaspheming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, guys, uh, <laughs> welcome to the Star Wars podcast. Um, some, some, A couple uh, nuggets of news I, I think it's worth talking about. So let's uh, let's check out the hollow nut really quick uh, and see what we got here primed from this past week. A couple of new uh, bits of information. Uh, one confirmed, one we assume a conversation occurred. Uh, there's no, no real vetting this story. Um, but uh, we'll start first with a little bit of news um, from Star Wars themselves. The Bad Batch. The cartoon that we never knew we needed uh, is releasing this May, right? Uh, so we got something to look forward to here in a couple months. Every Friday uh, at 3 a.m., it turns out. We're going to continue that theme. Holly, are they ever going to fix this? Can we not just have a 9 p.m. like Eastern Standard release? No, it's like literally the worst thing ever. Jesus, it's like, I can't. Okay, yeah. I understand that Lucasfilm is on the West Coast. Yeah. But, like, everybody else is on the East Coast. Yeah, so yeah, you <laughs> freaking West Coasters, okay? Like, You're not people, okay? Right? Like, why don't you, I mean, come on. I thought 6 p.m. Pacific is a decent time. Most people are getting off work. Maybe you're in L.A. and you're stuck in traffic for three hours. I'm sorry, I. you know what? Watch it on your phone. You know what it is? Yeah. They don't want to be coming home from work and then get hit by a spoiler. I thought you were going to say hit by like a train or a truck or something. But yeah, a spoiler Actually, while driving. <laughs> what I was going to say was get hit with a spoiler. Yeah. 
But I did not say that. Well, Because I was thinking about driving. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Luke, the last time we talked about the Bad Batch, we were pretty stoked. And, and as time passes, I, I wonder if that that excitement is still there for you. And what Have our thoughts changed on what we want or expect from it? It's It's been a bit. Yeah, well, yeah, what I'm most excited for is th- this will be really the first stuff on screen in this immediately following Revenge of the Sith yeah. uh, timeline. There have been um, – the comics have, have delved in and played with that area, especially in uh, you know the one Vader line that kind of picks up as soon as he yeah. has become Vader in the suit and, and him getting used to that and, and, and working through – what his his life is going to be like as a, a Lord of the Sith and uh, physically sort of handicapped. Um, so it's exciting, yeah, just to, for this to be the first uh, on-screen uh, story in that timeline, that, which is a really fascinating timeline and an underdeveloped timeline overall in the canon, I feel. Yeah. So that's what I'm most excited about, how, how canon-heavy it ends up or how how satisfying it feels in that regard is I, I, I guess to be determined because I had high hopes for a resistance in that way as well. And it just it never got below surface level type of stuff yeah. really, uh, which was a bit disappointing. Uh, so that's my biggest uh, you know, question despite my high level of excitement. Yeah. And I, I feel like I, the crew, the 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 bad batch brought some some nice humor a lot of I mean Wrecker was always a good time uh, we've already made comparisons to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and that dynamic they have it's it's obviously going to be a good time but yeah there's there's such serious issues to deal with in this time and it's like yeah are we gonna kind of see you know, some more clones that maybe survived that you know that that didn't execute this order and and how are they how are they responding to it like you couldn't tell from the 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 trailer that we got this past december you had i had no idea what the hell was going that could have just been stock footage from the clone wars and i wouldn't have known any better uh so you couldn't really tell what was going on like we're assuming that there are heroes and order 66 didn't affect them but what did what if it affected one of them what if what if we kind of got a wreck situation here, right? Where it's like, oh god, some, something's something's not right. Uh, how are we going to get our brother back? I don't know, Holly. Is that something you're in, uh, interested in? Or have we no. have we already seen the clones turn on on our heroes, and we don't need that anymore? I don't think we need that anymore. Also, I don't really feel like we're not super, we're not so invested in anybody yeah. in the Bad Batch for us to kind of have like an emotional reaction, like right off the bat, to be like, oh my god, yeah, like. What are they going to do to save their brother? Like, I don't know. I I also feel like I'm not sure if we've gotten this information yet, what the show's going to be rated. Mm -hmm. If it's like more for like younger kids friendly or if it's for maybe older kids. I don't know. Like a Y7 plus rating or whatever Mm -hmm. that is. You used to be able to kind of tell based on the time of day the shows were airing, right? You know, they would play. It was on Disney Channel. Yeah or like Disney XD, whatever it was. And they would play shows that were more appropriate for younger children earlier in the day. And then, you know, later in the evening, the afternoon evening is when they would play things like the Clone Wars and stuff like that. Because, you know, it was a little bit heavier. There was a little bit more violence. Mm -hmm. Scenes were a little bit scarier. You wouldn't have your three-year-old child watching 
the yep. Clone Wars, whereas some other Star Wars shows would be yeah. more appropriate. And they kind of make those based on different age groups. So I'm kind of curious. I'm assuming it's going to be for older yeah. children, similarly to the Clone Wars. But, I mean, I don't know. And I kind of feel like that will dictate how deep we get into the characters and what's going on and what mm-hmm. kind of scenarios they get into. Yeah. And what happens to the Bad Batch? How many seasons are we going with this thing? I'll tell you this. I kind of would like if, if if the Bad Batch kind of escape Order 66 and they're out there doing their thing and then, unfortunately, the Emperor gets his hands on them and maybe they just become like Jedi hunters and they start going after Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, with the Inquisitors as, as, you know, some backup. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. But what happens that's to these guys? That's an interesting... Yeah, that's an interesting sort of challenge for the series is if, if they're sort of the main characters we're following, and normally you follow, in the Star Wars universe, you follow uh, a good character yep. in most scenarios. But if these, these cats are still working for the Empire, for Palpatine, uh, or to what degree they're involved in Order 66, will color how we as a fan sort of feel about rooting for them yeah. as characters as well. So that's a really... Uh, that's a, you know, how they're going to approach that from how they wrote the story is, is huge, a huge impact on the, I think the whole series. And we're going to get that understanding, I think very early on when we see like the first couple episodes. Definitely. Yeah. And and whether they're, you know, bad or not, like I said, you couldn't tell from the trailer. So we'll find out quickly, but I, I think it could be kind of unique, you know, especially them being this kind of elite group. I mean, boy, if they, if the trigger switches for them, ugh, watch out any remaining Jedi. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Holly, would you watch a dark bad batch? Well, yeah, I absolutely would. I think the chances of them taking the show slim. that direction are very slim. I don't hey, know. Yeah. But with everything going on, unless there was like a huge redemption arc that happens relatively quickly and you kind of see them like the clones, the Bad Batch themselves, Mm -hmm. like struggling with their actions and trying to change things. I don't know necessarily that they would take that route, but I would absolutely watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And if they, you know, they stay on the good side, they're going to have a lot to work through. They're going to see a lot of their brothers. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they... I think they still look at them as their brothers, right? They, they've kind of distanced themselves from that group. They aren't exactly the, the proper clones that we all know. So but what is that relationship going to look like? I think that's going to really be tested here. And, and are they going to care that much? How are they? Have they always just kind of been doing their own thing? Uh, I think we've seen, other than their interactions with leadership like Rex and stuff, you don't, we haven't really seen them, I don't think, interact with too many basic kind of just, you know, uh, private loans or private loans jesus that, <laughs> i just had like a work moment uh a private just like a general private you know and and, and a trooper yeah. um so that would be interesting I, I don't know there could be some 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 deep uh storyline there it we'll also kind of makes you wonder like yeah really what are they going to be doing like you guys have been saying because it's kind of like we didn't really get to see a lot of them in yeah. the clone wars and they weren't like necessarily like gung-ho we're gonna go out and help everybody because like why would they (laughs) they didn't get treated very well so like why would their first instinct to be i'm gonna go save the day like yeah they're you know what i'm saying well and i I think i think that's i think you're onto something there because they got this swagger to them and and i've always just kind of thought that maybe they thought they were better than everyone else and that's 
They just kind of kept their chins up and snubbed their nose at everyone. But maybe it is exactly what Holly said, that they weren't treated very well because they were different. Luke, is that is that believable? And maybe they're they're going to have to grapple with some of that as they see their brothers turning on, on, on the Republic? They seem already at peace with that to me in uh, Season 7 of The Clone Wars. Yeah. Sort of... Uh, very comfortable and proud in their difference and what it allows them to do and, and how they're a special task force. Uh, we, we can't seem to get away from thoughts of order 66 in all of our heads. Mm-hmm. when we're talking about this, Holly, you said, you know, you weren't really too intrigued by that storyline. Cause we've kind of already seen some of it play out. Uh, but again, to me, it's, it'll have such a big impact on the audience. I think for the whole series, whether or not they choose these characters to have some direct involvement or if, if they sidestep it in some way, like they were off doing whatever, they weren't around any Jedi when it went down. Uh, so there was just nothing for them to do. Yeah. Uh, something like that. So you, I, I feel like that's the likely way they go with it, that they, again, for the, the audience perspective to, want to connect more with these characters and not to view them neg- more negatively mm-hmm. watching them gun down some Jedi would, you know, mess with that a bit. Definitely. So, but I think they're comfortable in who, who they are as these misfits who actually turn out to have very certain special skills, mm. special skills, doing machines apparently is one of them, just like Donatello. Yeah. So we have, Sergeant Hunter, who's the Ooh, leader yep. that you were trying uh-huh. to think yep. of. Wrecker, who's like the assault specialist. Uh-huh. Crosshair, who's the sniper. Um, and Tech, who tech. is like, Great obviously, <laughs> the yeah. tech-savvy one. Absolutely. We'll call him Donatello, because Tech is just not very original. And not to mention uh, uh, Echo, who joined them. That's right, That's Echo. Right. That's right, yeah. that'll oh. Wow, that, that actually will be very fascinating, too, right? Because Echo... We all had a hunch. Oh, is he is he back? Is he? I don't know. Could he bring down the bad badge? I don't know. It seems like he's he's back to his old self. Well, is we'll he? We don't. Yeah, I, I guess just, there's I, still we'll time because I mean he wasn't really like yeah in a great spot when we left no, him. No, no. Or when he left us, that sounds very fine. Yeah, when he went off with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they're another man strong, but. His future, see, it's still unsettled to me, but uh, looking forward to that. And, and I know the anticipation is going to build once we get closer to May. We'll get some more trailers. Uh, you know, there's going to be some big teases. We're going to see some faces that maybe we didn't think we would. They're going to have some big names in here. We know they will. Um, so looking forward to that come May. Uh, and also this guy's week. This is not a confirmed uh, story. I, I have no way to confirm this. Um other than everyone on Twitter saying this interview happened. Well, the woman um, who did the yes. interview, Saria Wilson, yes. she's an author. Yeah. I think she does some journalism. Okay. She does a lot of interviews with celebrities. Yeah. So she interviewed Daisy Ridley, and more recently she interviewed Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a <laughs> long time. Holly, supposedly... Ryan Johnson, this trilogy that apparently was granted to him several years ago, probably 2017. Uh, apparently, it's still on the books. Is this is this a hey? Like we're just we're just we're just gonna let this fizzle out and and not talk about it, you know, for a while, and people will just forget. Or is this legitimately this this is still happening? 
maybe in eight years we'll get a Ryan Johnson trilogy. Do you are you? Is it going to happen? Do we do we think that Star Wars is willing to? It sounds stupid because I think a lot of us enjoy his the product that he brought to the the franchise. But is it a is that a risk that Star Wars is willing to take? Sounds silly to say. Um, I think the actual question that I would be asking is. Oh, I'm is sorry, it, I'm not asking good enough questions. <laughs> no, I can. Yeah. No, yeah. what I'm saying is that I think to me it's less of like I don't care what risks Star Wars yeah. wants to take. They can do whatever they want. Is Ryan Johnson? Yeah willing to come back to the Star Wars community and write a trilogy for some ungrateful fans. Yeah. That to me is the bigger question because yeah. people were not very nice to him. They weren't. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, he handled it graciously though. Right. And, and there wasn't Ryan Johnson isn't one to go out and just, you know, troll a bunch of people because no. he got his feelings hurt. Like he just isn't like no. he's just, he's a classy filmmaker. He makes really good movies. Um, and and also, he moves on with his life. Yeah, and and he makes movies that are done so in a way that he wants people to interpret yeah. it based on their own experiences, which yeah. I think is really lovely. But also, <laughs> he has a bunch of other projects that he's working on right now. Mm -hmm. So if we are seriously being told that there will still be a new Star Wars trilogy, I imagine it would be years and years yeah. down the road because I think he has some other stuff that he's obligated to complete before doing that and yeah. with covid and everything going on i just think everything is taking a lot longer yeah and i mean they've got a lot on the slate already with the television series all on disney plus we've got two feature films that we already know about uh with uh the uh the unnamed uh, taika watiti film mm -hmm. and uh and uh Ro rogue squadron yeah i will say back to your original question oh, wow. it was a decent question i think disney would be silly to not give him movie, more movies to make. Yeah. I think that he is a phenomenal filmmaker. I think that he has some great ideas. I think that he is great at taking things from paper to the screen. Mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate him as an artist. So personally, I think it would be silly if they were like, we don't really want to work with him. What, what, what kind of thing, what would you like to see from him? I mean, it, we assume that we're outside of the Skywalker saga now. So what, what could you see him doing? If we're doing a trilogy, could we go... Could we be going to familiar territory to try to win back some of those fans and and put a put some jazz hands on on something that they're familiar with, but make it new? Ryan Johnson's completely capable of that. Or are we going to get something completely different, possibly in the future? I think that I th I think that it would be nice if he did something completely different in mm -hmm. the future because I think that he is more than capable of creating new content and mm. working with the story group and working with everybody at Lucasfilm to bring that to life. I just, I think it would be kind of good for him to be able to have this general concept of something new and then mm. roll with it because especially with the reception of, um, the last Jedi, yeah. I just, I, I just think it would be best if he was able to jump into creating his own yeah. part of star Wars without being held back from, like the restraints of like the Skywalker saga and all of these things that people are already expecting from him in yeah. this sequel trilogy that happened. Well, you're and you're not even just boxing him into the Skywalker story and these characters that people have loved for forty plus years. You're also boxing him into a prior writer's story. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Like I, you know, I'm sure there were some discussions, but it's just like now you go tag mm -hmm. you're it. 
and it's like, okay, what do I do well, with this? Luke's on Octa. Okay, what are we gonna do? Here's some inspiration from George Lucas, and I mean, almost verbatim takes that and puts it on film. So yeah, what what do you, what do you do with that? That's I. We all here enjoy the film, and I, and I think he did a fine job. And I think we were all excited about the idea of having three different writers and directors come in and and put their you know little flair on on this story. But now you see that those visions may not align so well. Maybe that's not a great idea. Give one person who has an idea, who has a story to tell, and let them actually tell the story. Yeah. Uh, seems like a, a more cohesive way of going about telling a, an actual story. Um, Luke, it seems like the direction in which you know Star Wars could go here with Ryan Johnson, to me, I feel like could win any fan over. If you go to the future and you do something new that's going to knock people's socks off, just give someone a teaser of something epic. It doesn't matter if it's a Ryan Johnson film or it's, you know, Borat himself. So, uh, um, uh, what, what I can't remember the actor's name. Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. They're going to go see it if, 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 you know, if the tease is right, if it, if, it, if it feels like Star Wars, or even, you know, if they did go back in time. I think one thing that we talked about at some point recently was what if they just said, hey, Ryan, here's, here's this old Republic era. Let's, let's throw some jazz hands on it. Let's make it cool. Let's make it, you know, you're, he's one thing about I loved about Knives Out was just like there was just, I don't know, there's just this tension. Yeah, it's kind of a whodunit, but I don't know. He, 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 he did it so well. Let's bring that into the old Republic. Deception, you know, like backstab. Yeah. Like, he also did some episodes yeah. of like Breaking Bad and stuff like that. Yes, so yes. he can do dark stuff yeah oh it's it's i think it would be fan so give him give him something like that and let him tease it it like i it doesn't matter if it's sasha barrett cohen or ryan johnson you're gonna win back some fans so uh, let's say he still has it eight, eight eight years you know uh rogue squadron comes out it's a big hit awesome everyone feels great and ryan johnson's announced with the trilogy where are they going luke i like Jedi. i like Jedi. i like the force <laughs> So let's get that. Uh, yep. Slight programming note for all of you uh, in the casual fam Amen. who eat up every minute, every let's second of, of the flying casual. Uh, we did discuss this briefly on uh, the recent um, casual council uh, yet to be determined if that is being released before or after this episode. So I'll try to briefly kind of restate my thoughts from that and, and add something that I didn't get a chance to touch on on the council. Yeah. Please do. Cause I uh, wasn't there. As, Yes, Holly was absolutely. Yeah, as you guys were saying, the, the time frame is we're talking way down the road. It presumably, if this is a big um, feature film, we know the the schedule of those, like you mentioned. Uh, Rogue Squadron is supposed to be first up in 23, as I understand it, 2023. Yeah. And then uh, I think Take Away TD slated for 2025. So the next film beyond those projects, you might think, would be. Um, unless you get back to like an every year sort of thing, maybe 2027, uh, I would peg a Ryan Johnson first movie of a trilogy at like 2029 yeah. at this point, really. So we're talking almost another decade, eight years plus. Uh, there's a lot of time for this thing to, to play out. And, and I said, as long as Kathleen Kennedy's at Lucasfilm, I think there's a greater than 50% chance Ryan Johnson makes another Star Wars movie. She gushed about him 
working with him unlike she has gushed over any other director that has worked um, in the new Disney era of Star Wars. Uh, so the, those are my main points from the from the council briefly restated. And then my uh, my additional thought is, like you guys were mentioning, kind of what, what the story is that he he's going to tell. Uh, back when the reports came out of uh, him agreeing to and, and Lucasfilm wanting him to sign on to do his own trilogy, there was a lot of talk from Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan, I believe, about it being blue sky. Like, yeah. This is going to be a brand new story. Uh, it's going to be unlike anything you, you've seen. It's not going to be connected to the saga you know. And while I'm one of the biggest uh, fans of The Last Jedi around that I've come across, um, I've also listened to and read a lot of uh, opinions of, of people who don't enjoy it on that level. And uh, my understanding of most people who, who have a negative view of it, it really boils down to his handling, they say, of, of Luke Skywalker. Mike, Mike Will always brings up he's you know playing with a certain hand that he was dealt to begin with, so it wasn't like all of these ideas were his originally. Um, but like I said, almost all of the, the people I, I hear express negative thoughts. It's, oh, he didn't handle Luke right. That's, that's not how Luke should have been and all that. Um, in this, this blue sky territory of a new trilogy or a new film, even if it's a standalone, um, unburdens him from that legacy yeah. character and those legacy storylines. And like you said, if he's if he's starting with something from scratch and he gets to lay out all the cards and all the pieces where he wants them to be, uh, I think he could come up with something really great. Um, and and that's what's so so wild to think about what what some of these stories are even going to be because supposedly, from what I understand about Waititi's film as well, is that he was. It sounds like given carte blanche to do yeah. something way out there, different, less connected to some of these other things. Um, so it's I, I can't even begin to think what we're going to get from some of these these stories down the down the pipeline. here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I <laughs> so much what you said, Luke, just just churning so many thoughts in my mind, and I'm not going to get them all out because we'll, we'll be doing this for three hours and we've got something else we're going to talk about. But while you're talking, I was just thinking about Ryan Johnson and his, his work. I, throw him out in the Chiss Ascendancy into the chaos and let him do a freaking Chiss trilogy. Right? That'd be cool. That is politics. That is mm -hmm. drama. I, I said I would love to see Thrawn and the Chiss on a television series because I think it's prime time television. Mm -hmm. The drama within these people and the backstabbing and the politics and, 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 and it's just it's waiting to be told in, in, on, on, on TV or on the screen. Let Ryan Johnson do it. Ollie, I, I yeah. mean, would you I, eat it? I absolutely would. I think that he would be fantastic at writing something like that, directing something like that. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I'm probably using Knives Out as a reference a lot because it's it was the most recent film. one. Yeah, and it was yeah. the most recent one that he came out with. But yeah. I feel like that style of filming yeah. for anything that has like the Chiss or especially mm -hmm. Thrawn in it. I yeah. mean, we saw what him and Daniel Craig created together with mm -hmm. Benoit Blanc. And Ugh, I just Blanc. think that they could do a similar kind yeah. of, I mean, Absolutely. attitude and essence it's wit it's witty, right? It mm -hmm. can be a little more serious. Mm -hmm. But I mean there's some funny moments even in the Thrawn yeah. trilogy. And, so I mean And yeah. also I think that something that people are drawn to in Star Wars is like 
the bad humor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's funny, but it's also kind of like cringy. Yeah. And like those like little one liners and stuff. And I feel like he could write those in just fine and yeah. it would be, you know, good relief. Yeah. But I just, I think that that would be awesome. I would be on board with him doing anything that has to Absolutely. do with the chess stuff, especially because I haven't read any of the books yet. <laughs> do we bring Daniel Craig in to play Throng? And does it keep the Le, Le, is it Blanc? LeBlanc? Le Wasn't he already a stormtrooper? He was, but you never saw his face. He can come out and play Thrawn. Why not? <laughs> Isn't he a little short for Thrawn? Well, he was probably a little short to be a stormtrooper, <laughs> too, but he was. Uh, Star Wars joke there, guys, if you didn't catch it. Um, it might have gone over everyone's head. Okay. I'm not back. a tiling joke, because you had one of those earlier, Holly, and I, I, what did I say? I don't think this thing is level, and you said... Mm, you said, let's see where the level stands. And you, Well, you said, I had a joke, but it fell flat. It was a really great tiling joke, but you know what? Yeah. Jokes and, and puns and, and, and that aside. They are not here on the podcast. Yeah. We don't yeah. have time for those on the podcast. For joking. No, no joking. Absolutely not. None. Um, so we're looking forward. I'm, I know we are looking forward at this table here to enjoying a Ryan Johnson production in Star Wars, and I, and I hope you guys are too. Um, one day we will move past this ridiculous divide in Star Wars. It's the dumbest thing ever. Star Wars doesn't even exist. It's just meant to be enjoyed. Uh, one day we'll move past this and we'll all look forward to to new Star Wars uh, uh, productions. But, guys, to, to wrap this podcast up, we received a very fascinating email um, from our Jedi Master, Nettie. Holly, I had to sit on this one for a couple weeks because I just I loved what Nettie was putting down and I needed to process it. Mm -hmm. So I sent it to you, sent it to Luke, because uh, it's a lengthy email and Nettie, you know, acknowledges that in a very funny comedic way. Um, but no jokes, Nettie. This is a not, we're, this is, we don't joke on this podcast. So, so Holly, shouldn't. skip all the jokes. Okay. I'm kidding. No, read every word of it. Um, guys, he's talking about, we always talk about this chosen one prophecy. It, it seems to come up in every podcast, but Nettie takes it a step further. You know, he acknowledges that Anakin may be the chosen one, but there, 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 there seems like there's this actual, you know, balancer of someone out there that needs to balance the force because, you know, Anakin himself says it in the rise of Skywalker Ray, you know, balance the forces I had or bring balance to the force just like I did. So apparently there is some unbalance of that time. But Nettie takes it a step further and brings in our, our girl Leia, and and what he says is is mind blowing, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. Holly, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind reading okay. this email, and guys, like I said, it's, it's a longer email. Uh, bear with us. Holly is has the highest reading level here on this <laughs> podcast, so we're gonna see how we can get this one done. Holly, okay. uh, without further ado, mm -hmm. he said, "Hello, is that French." Sorry, that was a joke. No, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, what? No, go ahead and read. <laughs> it's not French. <laughs> it is. It's not. Okay. Hello, casual fam. I hope you're all doing well. Not sure what you want to do with this. Read it on the podcast. Crazy. Yes. Um, or immediately delete it and block me so I can never contact you again. Already done. Did not do that. Um, he said, you may as well just call me Qui-Gon Jinn because I've been thinking about the prophecies and the chosen one for an unhealthy amount recently. Yeah. I think we also do that. Like Michael said, yeah, we absolutely. bring it up all the time. Yeah. Hopefully when I'm dead, I'm just sitting there thinking about prophecies yeah yeah yes so to start there's a slight spoiler warning for the master and apprentice so to give some context the novel includes several prophecies throughout it including what i wanted to talk about today the prophecy of the chosen one which reads only through sacrifice of many jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless yeah 
The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. Mm. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. When the force itself sickens, past, the future, and split combined. A chosen one shall come, born of no father, and through him will ultimate balance in the force be restored. That was a mind... There were some crazy prophecies in the Master and Apprentice book, and that one, it seemed pretty straightforward. We all kind of thought, yeah, it's Anakin, cool, Mm -hmm. what then? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Now, I think there's a lot to dig dig through in there, but I want to focus on that last sentence. The reference of the Chosen One and the ultimate balance. It's referencing Anakin, given the line about no father, but notice it does not say... The chosen one, born of no father, will bring ultimate balance to the force. What it says is through him. Yeah. Now, that can imply the same thing, but does it? Does it? <laughs> um, da, da, da. I mean, okay, so. Skipping all the jokes. Yeah, we're not doing jokes, Nettie. Stop <laughs> writing them. Um, okay, so what if the. What if the chosen one and the one who will bring ultimate balance in the force, we will call them the balancer for simplicity, are different people, Mm -hmm. but they're connected and the balance couldn't be brought about by the balancer without the chosen one coming first. Mm, Phrasing, yeah. Um, And then he said, okay, so people are probably already mad that I insinuated that Anakin didn't bring balance, but I do think Anakin did bring a balance at the end of episode six. Mm -hmm. Plus, I mean, he says, bring back the the balance as I did in the rise of Skywalker Mm -hmm. pretty clear that he did bring a balance, but I think we can split hairs here again. Yeah. Looking at the wording of the prophecy, it says the ultimate balance in the force will be restored. The balance Anakin brings is far from permanent, neither in Canon nor in the EU. If you want to look at that, I have usually been a proponent of the opinion that just because the force is brought into balance doesn't mean that it will stay there. Mm-hmm. Look at a checkbook to know that it's not the case. Mm-hmm. But Claudia Gray using the word ultimate makes me feel like there will need to be more to this balance they are specifically referencing in the prophecy. Ultimate may not have to mean permanent, but I feel like it has to mean more than where we were at the end of return, given where we end up at the start of The Force Awakens. Was that it? No. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I just felt like that was brief. No, I just didn't yeah. know if you had anything that you wanted to add. Usually I do. Not <laughs> I am insinuating that Anakin is indeed the chosen one, but not the balancer. That raises the question of who is the balancer. Yeah. Great question. Fantastic question. A lot of people probably would think that I am thinking of Ray, but that isn't who I think fits the role, especially not after having read the Rise of Skywalker novelization. Mm. Yes, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to the book club, you should check it out. Great discussion. The novelization had one quote from Luke, and it made me realize that other than the fact I had missed it in the movie, it made me think about this whole theory. Ultimately, I think that Leia is the balancer and the one who brings the ultimate balance. My first piece of evidence goes back to my earlier argument about the wording of the prophecy, the word through. Mm. As I said, I am interpreting this as because of. And I mean, if it wasn't for Anakin, Leia wouldn't exist. Pretty sure that's how parenthood works. (laughs) Now, let's have a look at the quote that I mentioned. While talking with Rey, Luke comments something like, Leia was better than all of us. This leads to Rey having an inner monologue contemplating if anyone had ever tried to corrupt Leia and turn her to the dark side. Outside of maybe her killing Jabba, I don't think that there actually is anything. Leia is the incorruptible good in the Star Wars movies. And pretty much the books, too. Mm -hmm. 
an imperfect person and possibly an imperfect mother to Ben, but a driving force for the light. Yeah. Okay. Leia was brought about by the chosen one and is the most powerful light. That's all well and good, but you may be asking, how does she bring balance? This is where that second reference to the novelization I made comes in. It's obvious that Leia's sacrifice and reaching out during the movie redeems Kylo Ren and saves Ben. Yeah, Han's moment is powerful and one of my favorites in the series, but Ben was back by that point. Han even says, no, Kylo Ren is dead. But something I missed in the movie and picked up in the novelization is that same sacrifice also saves Rey from having to go to the dark. Think about that scene. Rey attacks Kylo first, and Rey acts out of clear hatred after Kylo destroys the Wayfinder and is trying to kill him. She tells Luke something along the lines of, I ignored all my Jedi training and I attacked first. Plus, she was going to kill him. Yeah. Rey stabbed Kylo. I, I mean, you might even be able to argue that, well, I guess he wasn't quite dead yet. Rey stabbed Kylo through the chest and then only heals him after she feels Leia leave the mortal world. Yeah. The sacrifice of Leia makes Rey realize what she's doing and that it is not the Jedi way. The sacrifice of Leia is what makes Rey decide to heal Ben rather than let him die on the Death Star 2 wreckage. Right after Rey talks about breaking the Jedi ways, Luke immediately responds, but you healed him. Leia sacrificed herself and saved the light of Ben and Rey, which together was enough to destroy the growing darkness of Palpatine. To quote Anakin himself, this brings back the balance. I would argue the ultimate balance. Mm. It's easier to make this case due to this being the furthest story has ever gone at this point. Whenever we do get more content uh, post the rise of Skywalker, we don't know who or what will be the antagonist. We don't, no. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have any idea what's going to happen Palpatine, after this. let's be honest. He'll be back. And so Nettie said, if it is the Sith again, then it's probably going to be outdated. But I think that there's an argument to be had. Any thoughts? Am I crazy? Yes. <laughs> and do I no longer deserve to call myself a Star Wars fan? Still going to anyway. Yeah. But this has gone on long enough. You probably made a lot less sense than I think it did. Stay awesome. Give Chewy some pets and maybe some treats. Eddie, that was a fantastic email and a fantastic uh, uh, talking point, <laughs> to be honest. It's just something that has never crossed my mind. We There's so much evidence, you know, pointing to Leia being way more important than any of us ever imagined. You know, we, we, we've had, um, you know, the from a certain point of view story where we see Yoda actually thinks that, you know, she's the chosen one. Uh, and Luke's just this immature kid who is not ready to be trained. Um, so uh, Luke, a prophecy uh, misunderstood, maybe. I, I, I love what Nettie's saying here in that I never really thought of Ray being saved in that moment. To me, it was, you're destroying this evil guy. But that isn't you know, really the Jedi way. Yeah, I mean, you, sometimes you got to cut off some heads of some Sith Lords. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to stab them right in the back like Anakin did in Clone Wars, which no one talks about that. That dude didn't deserve that. Um, but in that moment, not only is, you know, Leia saving her son, but she's also saving Rey from this darkness that she's so feared. I've never thought of it this way. Did, did this kind of blow your mind a little bit? Yeah, I'm really shocked that you went there first because that was my favorite part of Nettie's email. Um, after you sent it over to me and I was looking it over, it made me um, turn on Rise of Skywalker and I watched that that whole sequence this evening of uh, 
you know, when, when Ray gets to the, the throne room on, on the Death Star 2 and uh, has a confrontation with Kylo that leads to the, the fight and, and everything that he talks about with, you know, the stabbing and Leia's intervention and everything. And we've thought and talked so much about that whole sequence in terms of what it means for Kylo Ren to Ben and, and, and just have been fascinated with, with, with that aspect of it. Uh, but we don't, I rarely talk about the, the, the Ray side of that yeah. equation. So uh, it's great that Nettie kind of brings that out. Um, when I watched it, I felt like it wasn't so much Leia like reaching out to Ray to remind her of the light when she does, like you, like Nettie points out, she just kind of slip and she's acting in anger. Yeah. And, and she really, you know, is, <laughs> just wants to destroy Kylo and, and, and get what she wants, and that's the Wayfinder. Uh I think most of Leia's focus is on on reaching out to her son yeah. in that moment, um, and that's what so- stops him in his tracks. Because if you think of the battle, he's about to potentially kill her, yeah. but and he's stopped in his tracks by Leia. Um, Ray says the words Leia, but if if you watch the sequence of the shots, it's as she's dying, as she's fading away, yeah. um, not fading away, but I. Not that that she goes into the uh, you know clothes go away yeah. uh, sort of deal, but uh, where she seems to expire yeah. in a corporeal sense uh, is the moment that Ray says Leia and kind of yeah. steps back, um, and I think it's mostly Ray just feeling her through the Force kind of leave the 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 living Force plane of existence. Um, and it's just a reminder to Ray of her master yeah. that makes her then think through what she's done. Not that Leia was like, I need to intervene with Ray yeah. right now. She needs that. I think her focus was almost entirely on, on Ben, but it was just the reminder of Leia as her master and what her teachings are and what she would have said or done in these moments just reminds Ray like, Oh, I've gone down a different path here. Yeah. Um, so it, it's ultimately an intervention by Leia, but not as intentional, I feel, as the one um, that occurs with Ben. But yeah, to, my favorite part of these emails, so I, I was really surprised you pulled that one out. Yeah, it, it's it's never, yeah, like you said, I, I kind of took that too. Like is it wasn't intentional, but it's it's crazy that, it, it, I think it speaks to the relationship that Ray has with Leia and this moment that she senses, you know, that she's gone, Holly, she has this moment of, oh, my God, what have I done? This is her child. I witnessed her losing her husband, mm-hmm. you know, to the hand of their child. But I'm no better. Look what I've done. Yeah. I've, I've killed a solo myself here. And, 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 yeah, maybe it wasn't intentional, but it had, this, it had that effect of saying, what have I done? Yeah. My master's gone and and look what I've become. Yeah. I think I absolutely agree with what Luke was saying because I thought that too. You know, it's just, it just so happened like inadvertently Leia's passing or moving on did ultimately stop Ray from letting Ben, I guess we'll call him Ben at that time, from letting him die in that moment. Um, And I, this is just, 
this is just me, but I think what makes that moment even more beautiful now that we're talking about it is in the beginning of the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker, there's a whole moment where Leia's by herself and she's just kind of reminiscing about her life and thinking about all the things that she could have done differently and where she went wrong with Ben. And I think there's a moment where she says, I'm getting another chance to do for Ray what I couldn't do for Ben. And she couldn't stop Ben from going down this path. She, until this, until the very end of his life, she couldn't stop him from doing that. Mm -hmm. And then she ends up doing it by chance, I guess, for Ray, because I do feel like, if Ray had just let that happen in that moment, it really was a killer be killed moment because yeah. we know that he would have killed her. Yeah. I mean, he would have. It, lo- it looked, uh, it looked like it was mm-hmm. happening, and she was getting tired in that battle. Yeah. I mean, he really was physically overpowering her. Absolutely, you can only do so much with the force, right? Yeah. Or at least in that moment when you're exhausted, I imagine you know. But I feel like if she had actually killed him and walked away and left him for dead. I just feel like that would have eaten away at her and that would have sent her down a really dark path. And so to me, Leia did do for Ray in a way which she couldn't do for Ben. And that was stop her from going down that path. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think too. Like I, I, I haven't really compared this much, but the, but Ben Solo and, and Hans, final confrontation there with Luke and his father as Darth Vader and how Luke was able to throw the sword away and say, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Like, I'm not going to kill you. And Leia just has to accept like he is lost. He, Ben couldn't do that. Ben couldn't throw down the sword. Ben couldn't, you know, take that higher road, take that, take the Jedi way. She had to intervene and, and, and so you guys are right. She's she's out there to save her son, but the act is so much more than it has such a huge impact on Ray. And I, I think that speaks to their connection and 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 how much she is a Skywalker and how how much how much they mean to her. Um, even even though the son is trying to kill her there in that moment, she she still saves him. Um, you know, she doesn't know whether he's gonna whether he actually is redeemed here in this moment. She has no confirmation of that. She just substantially says, no, nope, I'm going to go take care of the emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, what a cool moment. I, I love that Nettie sent that. And, and uh, one of my favorite moments from that movie is, is the interaction with Ben and his father and the, the, the memory of his father. I mean, obviously, I just wept at that moment. A lot of us did. But now I look at this moment that Nettie's brought up and it, it just means so much more to me now. It just, you know, wow, maybe she is that balancer. Maybe she is the chosen one. Luke himself said it, like you said in the novelization, Holly. Like, she's better than all of us. She's the best of us. That he was going to make her, you know, make him a, a better teacher. Um, she just could do that. Um, so it's it's unfortunate, you know, that we couldn't have more time with Carrie Fisher in that role. But when you look at what they've done with what they have, boy, they did – they did something pretty special. Was the execution the best all the time? No, but I mean, for what they had, special moment. And, I, and I'm I'm glad Nettie could could add a little more to that and and make us think about something we've been talking about for years now. It yeah. seems and and look at us looking at it in a different light. And it's kind of like this is why the other content for Star Wars is important to pay attention to if you're mm-hmm. like a super big nerd like we are, which yeah. we assume you are because you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> but. 
it's just like you get so much more out of the novels and you know they really do tie together all these characters and their lives and their purposes or destiny if you will but um I didn't read I haven't read Master and Apprentice yet and I feel like I probably should but I think I do have a question for you guys that I think is going to be very unpopular um so I will just Put that out there. I'm not saying that this is what I think. Yep. I'm not saying that Anakin's not the chosen one. Okay. I think everyone knows how I feel about Anakin being the chosen one. I get that George Lucas said just explicitly Anakin is the chosen one. I also get that this isn't like he created this, but the new content, it's not his creation anymore. Yeah. It's an extension of that. And I just kind of feel like we're moving past that. Mm-hmm. All of the new information that we're getting and the background that we're getting, I just feel like we're kind of moving past the idea that of like the chosen one being like definitive. Yeah. There was a comic that Michael showed me a long, long time. I mean, this was like two years ago of Shmi on a planet being embraced by Palpatine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. Definitely not a warm embrace. No. Is this, is, that's a is that can- absolutely so this is canon it's also kind of a weird thing going on there okay that well vader, vader issue uh, true and i think we can explore that when i actually read yeah. that line so i'm just throwing out the information that i have is can anakin really be the chosen one if it's possible just possible that his creation was manipulated by palpatine because it seems to me like, then he's not coming about organically. So, therefore, he was chosen, but chosen by Palpatine for a specific purpose that ultimately did not go the way that Palpatine saw it going in the end. I just feel like if you're saying that he's the chosen one, I, I don't know. Chosen by who? He was chosen by Palpatine, potentially, possibly. Yeah. I think that could be a very unpopular opinion. But to me, that makes it feel like he is not the chosen one. Well, Holly, as, as Mace Windu said... Uh, so the prophecy says we, I, we, we, we it, that's the thing. This prophecy that they reference in Master and Apprentice says that it'll be someone born of no father. So that automatically kind of leads you there, but you're right. It's this, uh, you know, is it, is this being, how would they come organically? Then, you know, I don't know. It's, kind of, but it's, I guess to me, it seems more like a self Jesus himself, prophecy. you know, I don't know. Cause, it, cause it's kind of like, Hmm. I really want this thing to happen and I want it to go the way that I'm going, that I want it to go. So I'm going to create this prophecy that says that this will happen. Mm -hmm. And suddenly everything starts happening according to the prophecy. But here I am manipulating all to make it happen. Yeah. Was, is, was Palpatine aware that this prophecy was something that the Jedi were studying closely and said, you know what, How uh, I could use what I learned from Plagueis and create some life. And here's this guy. And you know, it just so happens Qui-Gon's going to come across him. I, I, I mean, he's a master puppeteer, so he could, it could have been, is it coincidence? I don't know. Um, but I, you, you kind of wonder, I, I would love to be in the heads of, of Yoda and Mace Windu at that time when they say that maybe the prophecy was misinterpreted, what exactly do they mean? You know, how lengthy is this prophecy and, and what is it that can be misinterpreted? But, uh, and it's hard yeah. when, I mean, there's like 20 years between then and now mm-hmm. in content that's been created. And 
that's what gets dangerous about yeah. like continuing to create mm-hmm. content based off of something that was ultimately created back in the seventies. I mean, yeah. you're so far removed and I, I just feel like at some point you just move on, well, move on, move on. And that's going to be the challenge of creating new star Wars material from this point on. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, that we're not going back to the clone wars. And when we do move forward in the future, that question is always going to be at the back of people's minds. Because there's only so much that you can do before you start overlapping too much and changing things too much and making people of different objectives and doing different things. And I don't know. Unless we just go into the world between worlds and erase (laughs) it all. (laughs) No. Someone goes and takes out little baby Annie or just frees him and he goes and lives a normal life. (laughs) I like... That's one way of changing it up. I don't know, but maybe Palpatine would have intervened uh, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke, any other thoughts on uh, on the prophecy and, and Master and Apprentice? And uh, boy, I mean, Yoda and Mace were onto something there. Maybe we should have figured this out sooner, fellas. How long do you suppose you could stay awake? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, not very long. If you're asking. <laughs> These chosen one discussions in the year 2021 are. Uh, uh, just a, a, a endless maze labyrinth yeah. of of wild thoughts, and you you two have brought up so many great things already that that I think are really important. Uh, you have point of view bias. I think Michael, I can't remember. I feel like at some point in the podcast, you've already said the phrase "certain point of view," yeah. and Holly touched on it as well. That whenever you're given information in a story. Uh, if it's dialogue spoken by somebody or a prophecy given by a character in the back history of the, the story and the plot, uh, it's from that character's point of view. Mm-hmm. So nothing in character dialogue um, should ever be thought of as, as um, 100% true without a doubt. I think there's always wiggle room that you can play with, and that's how you know they were able to take uh, your parents are nobody in the Last Jedi to your parents are. Yeah. Uh, well, your dad is <laughs> a direct <laughs> descendant of Palpatine uh, because it is. You know, there's there's certain angles of the story that are only part of the story, and then there's. Well, that's what I understood things to be as the character, and I'm expressing a point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's always that wiggle room in these discussions, um, and people might get really frustrated with that because it's like, oh, that's cheap writing or that's an easy way out. But that's just the truth. Unless you're reading a book with an omniscient narrator and the narrator text tells you something, that's probably true without a doubt for the most part. But dialogue between characters in a story, there's always room for it to be inaccurate, for it to be alive, for it to be shaded a certain way, um, and it and it makes sense. I'm a little, I'm a little surprised the story group uh, or Lucasfilm in general let Claudia Gray get as specific with the wording of her prophecy as she yeah. did, writing it when she did, because she was writing it after the sequel trilogy had started. Mm-hmm. The, the sequel trilogy opens up this whole can of worms about these discussions. So I would have thought she would have used broader language so it didn't sound so Anakin-specific. Um, but again, she's writing from some old Jedi sitting around 
feeling out through the force for prophecies and writing down whatever came to yeah. him. And so it's his, how this force spoke to him and how he interpreted it. So it's not necessarily Claudia Gray, you know? Yeah. Um, and oh, Holly brought this up too. And it's a, think about step back from the story. Think about the real world, about when these stories were crafted mm -hmm. in these different eras. The Chosen One was not mentioned in the original trilogy. Yeah. Maybe it was in George's notebook somewhere yeah. back in the 70s or 80s. I, I honestly don't know. That might be something someone knows out there if he had thought about it way back then. Or he probably claims he does. <laughs> did. Um, so from the 70s to the mid-90s, this didn't exist. Yeah. And then as George was getting ready to make the prequel trilogy, he's like, let's, let's give this thing a nice bookend. This is Anakin's story from episode one through six, ultimately. Um, let's give it this, this great bookend of the prophecy of the chosen one. Um, we introduced that in episode one and then it's fulfilled in episode six yeah. and it, it bookends that saga nicely. I think George didn't think a sequel trilogy would be yeah. made. He was like, it took me a lot to get back to this point and make the prequels. I doubt I'll be in it. Yeah for another set later on. So that bookend makes sense then. Yeah. But now it's all been blown wide open. And I'll, I'll, I have a couple more thoughts, but I'll take a break since I've been gabbing for a while and let you guys jump no, in. No, man, get, get it. Holly, you got I mean, I just, that? I mean, I just love what Luke is saying because think about it. How old was George Lucas when he wrote the original trilogy? I'm going to say 12. Okay, so... Imagine being a 12-year-old <laughs> no, child. He, he was probably no, much older, but so, those thoughts were So say mind, he's in yeah. his 30s, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. Writing this original trilogy. Probably his 20s, yeah. 20s. Now imagine, huh, 20 years later, let's write more to yeah. this story. I didn't know I was going to commit to a saga that was going to no. keep going 20 years later. Yeah. God, and now here we are in 2021. I mean, we're 40 years after the original trilogy. It's yeah. like... When you write something, you don't even know if it's going to be successful. He certainly did not think the first movie was going to be successful after it was made. We know that because mm -hmm. we've seen the documentaries about it. Yep. And it's kind of like, at that point, it's like, I say something yesterday and I'm like, man, I wish I'd said something different. I yeah. can't imagine having something in writing and then in film yeah. that lives on 40 years later and not thinking, man, I guess in hindsight, I should have done it a little differently yeah. or made it a little more vague. Yeah. But I mean, you get what you get. Well, it, so that, to me, he's made this great product then, right? That we all, we got a, a freaking Star Wars podcast. Obviously, we love it. And then when you, you have this finished product, you have four, five, and six. And then we go back and make more. You're, you're, now it, 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 feel, it feels inevitable that we are where we are now because you had this, this, this product that we all love, and then now you're... Even with the prequels, you're still changing some things. It's for a new era, a new generation. You're starting to piss some people off. This isn't my Star Wars. Well, then we're going to jump into the future past episode six. That's not my Star It feels like it's this was inevitable. When you yeah. continue to add on to a story, something I think about, The Lord of the Rings. Yep. We all enjoy it, right? Feels very, like Luke, like Luke said, bookend, right? I have. I know there's other stories out there, but like, not much has really been done with that. The Hobbit. Well, 
people were pissed off by the hobbit right but then you get you have then all these works that are later published yeah after tolkien dies and finished by his family yeah so it's kind of like at that point you're just i don't know to me it's it's what luke was saying about different points of view and interpretations if you don't know what the writer originally had in mind when they started creating this content you only know what you want to see it do and that's what you ultimately (laughs) are going to end up yeah. having happen later down the road. And to me, at some point, I just feel like, don't these writers just think like, damn, like stop digging into it so much. Maybe yeah. what I said actually was surface level in my book and you people are taking <laughs> it way too far. Uh, it, it has to be frustrating as hell. I think Luke you, has a gift. Do, do you think George Lucas hates <laughs> all of us? <laughs> yes. you have a prop? Well, I, I think we're transitioning into mm-hmm. a Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> And Michael, yes. I'd like to introduce you to the Silmarillion. Jesus. Case in point. Because if you want to talk about the bookends of Lord of the Rings, like there's, I don't think there's much written beyond, that takes place after Return of the King. Um, but this is all before The Hobbit. And uh, a lot of good stuff in here. I can't even pronounce the title. The Silmarillion. Okay. Silmarillion. Silmarillion. First, the Silmarils which are jewels that go into some of the rings of power. It sounds like we're starting a Lord of the Rings podcast. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, it sounds like that's going to happen. It, it's just... But no, it's yeah. some actual... Go no, no, go, you go ahead. Good. Well, I was going to throw in some actual Star Wars stuff. Absolutely. Um, and so the discussion we've been having is great, but if we want to stick in the true sort of nerd spirit that Nettie's email, I think, is honestly in... Yeah. All right, let's throw throw the real world stuff aside okay. a bit for yeah. a minute, and and go into like th- this just the story and just take things more on on face value. Um, I think like Nettie eventually gets to the the need to maintain balance is kind of an evergreen idea yep. because there's there's no guarantee that that the balance once achieved is eternal. That's right, uh, as he states, and I think you know having Hayden give that line of dialogue towards the end of Rise of Skywalker saying, bring the balance, you know, and then he puts it in his email, bring the balance as I once did. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a nod and an acknowledgement that the sequel trilogy has blown that idea wide open of the chosen one in balance and everything by having such a dark power rise again a few decades later, having Palpatine survive kind of, makes it even more complicated because you could kind of talk yourself into that's pretty much balanced because the Sith were destroyed and Palpatine's gone. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be dudes who aren't great out there, but at least the Sith are gone. And then they're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Just kidding. No, he's not. Uh, So I think what you have to do, have to kind of rationalize is that, yeah, we need there to be balance it can be achieved people can prophesize certain people who will, who will achieve it who will be the balancer i kind of like that term that yeah. eddie's introduced the, the balancer uh it sounds more proactive than the chosen one mm-hmm. just like oh i was chosen yep. I did it. um but there might be the need for more balancers in the future mm-hmm. things are going to get out of whack that's right and so you come along you need a balancer or else you just want a story of the Jedi just sitting in a nice yeah. peaceful grove and meditating. And you want to watch that with some lovely music played over the top of it uh, for a while. Yeah. 
instead for your Star Wars movie instead of some lightsaber fights and some starfighter explosions. Is that what a lot of the Silmarillion? Silmarillion. Is that what a lot of that is? Just just hobbits hanging out, just (laughs) you know, catching some fish, finding rings and rivers, and very little hobbits in the Silmarillion. Very Very little, really. The hobbits not a. They're not not the point. Yeah, apparently not. Elves, dwarves, or okay, tree beards, and sorry, I, all this knowledge oh is God. coming out right now. This is like an int podcast. A non no, this oh. is like a non sequitur. But uh, our neighbor two doors down, yeah. she has yeah. this big tree in her front yard, oh, and yeah. she got these little ceramic face pieces. It's like yeah. an eye with bushy eyebrows. Now, oh, now yeah. it's like they're not. They don't look. I mean, you, obviously, you know, they're not real, but they yeah. don't look tacky. They're not like yeah. Mr. Potato Head. But I will say, yeah. we pass this tree every single day. And the other day we took Chewy out and Michael was like, is that tree beard? And yeah. I looked at it and like, <laughs> she really did just like put these put this face, just eyes, a little nose and a, and a mouth on this yeah. tree. And I was like, there are ants among us. See guys, I'm thinking about Lord of the Rings all the time. Everywhere I go. Tree herders. Might be time. But anyway. Might be was, time. That was my fun little story. Luke, you're absolutely right. Like, if we ever want Star Wars material again, the force is not going to be in balance. Like, it's just. It can't be. Like, you, you, it's either that you got the Jedi just you know, smoking a reefer up in the temple and everyone's just chill yeah. and, and that's it. Right? Smoking a reefer? I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I don't think that's Michael's a thing. Michael's not a pothead. Not a pothead. As it turns out. Obviously. <laughs> smoking a reefer <laughs> here on Flying Casual. Uh, the High Republic. That's that's all they were doing, right? Like, they're not, there's no conflict. Uh, I haven't seen any conflict yet. Bruh. In the light of the Jedi, everyone's just having a good time. That's why they put the temple so high in the air. But yeah, yeah. I, w- I agree. That, and I know, I think I've said this on podcasts before. It yeah. just like, it doesn't make sense to me to have one chosen one because like once he's gone, yeah, what well. happens then? Everyone's just la-di-da. Holly, like, not a big fan of Christianity. Yeah, not a big, not a big Christianity podcast. It's because yeah. every five years they're like, oh, the end of the world is coming. Oh, oh not today. Not today. Tomorrow, tomorrow, way. tomorrow. That may be a very just, extreme group. Okay. My point it, is yeah. that there's... <laughs> This prophecy of that sometimes you try to make it fit into <laughs> what is currently happening, yeah. which is fine yeah. because I think that it is important for people to have something, some sort of faith to fall back onto because yeah. I think that if you don't as a human, you probably feel kind of miserable, whether yeah. it's a God or Absolutely. something else, your relationship with nature. Yeah. I, I think everyone needs something to kind of help them make sense of the world around them. I think that's a fantastic point. But... Anakin was not it. Anakin was not it. Oh boy! Shoot, a lot of feathers, and I freaking uh, love it's it. Okay, no, you're right. Even 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 the Jedi themselves put faith in this prophecy. It almost is as if they were felt like they were out of control a little bit. Well, like listen. they could sense this darkness coming. Yeah, put our faith in this kid. Uh, he's kind of a showboat, but whatever. Let him do what he wants. But here's the thing. Yeah, if Qui Gon hadn't have tried so hard to get Anakin into the Jedi, yeah temple or academy yeah. uh, he wouldn't have been the chosen one right i mean that's what that's when the question is though would would, would palpatine have just 
made it happen otherwise, but it, it was but all then planned you're not, out. That was destiny. It, yeah, but then it's not the chosen one. You're just Palpatine's puppet. I know. Which he was. Yeah, we back all to were. the Palpatine connections. I loved one thing you said earlier, Holly, that I hadn't thought of because there are all those theories out there in the comic book um, played on all those theories about did Palpatine have a hand or did Plagueis have a hand in Anakin's creation? Um, and there's obviously not direct evidence for that. I think it's a decent theory. I still am on the side of Palpatine as the opportunist and just make, you know, being a master manipulator at all the uh, the chess pieces that come onto his board. Um, but you mentioned that um, not only did – what if he not only created Anakin or helped create Anakin to the Force, but what if he also – and or Pelagus uh, helped plant the prophecy of the Chosen One? That's not a theory mm-hmm. I had heard before. So that was like – that was a mind-blowing uh, thing to think about when you mentioned that. Um, because to me, when I think about why why at the time that this prophecy was made did they think balance was needed? Yeah. The Republic were are the the Republic was relatively peaceful, prosperous. The Jedi were a part of that. Mm-hmm. The Sith were not a big presence. So why pre-episode one would a Jedi even think the force needed balancing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- I'm feeling like <laughs> planting the prophecy of the chosen one at this point is m- even more likely than him creating Anakin. Yeah. Cause it sort of seeds doubt that, wait, something's wrong. Something needs balancing. Does it? I mean, things seem to be okay. But then it's like, <laughs> yeah. you get to the point and we all, I mean, this happens. This is so relatable probably for everybody because you get to the point where you start thinking that something might happen or somebody plants that seed of doubt and then suddenly every single sign points to that to being something. true. Yeah. yeah. And I just feel like how how easy would it be to come in and just topple this Holly, system? some people see pictures of Jesus in their pancakes and think that the world's ending. Oh, they don't think it's Obi-Wan. Oh, wait, I'm Maybe. sorry. They see pictures of Someone. Obi-Wan in their pancakes and they think that it's Jesus. That it's Jesus, but it's really just Obi-Wan <laughs> coming to save us all. So, you, I mean, people but look yeah. for, for security in, in a lot of things. And there's a word for that, and I don't remember what uh, it's called. We're not a big word podcast. We're not. We don't do words. Yeah. We just do grunts and... Smokes. <laughs> Reefers. Jeez. <laughs> really falling off the rails. No, I, I, this is... This has to, we have to continue this conversation at some point because I feel like we've tapped into something. Now I'm like, why was Qui-Gon so interested in the prophecies? I feel like Master and Apprentice maybe touched on a little bit, but not enough to where I'm like, here's why he was so fascinated with them. Was it, you know, is it Duke? I, I, I can't remember Dooku's involvement in, in, in any of this, but um, why was he so fascinated in these? I need to investigate this a little more. And, and what, yeah, what what's bringing up this need to, to kind of, validate this prophecy like so, what is it that could qui-gon feel something stirred up he brings in the council and they're like oh yeah that prophecy <laughs> oh well and then he's like no i sent something i came across the sith lord we need to look into this the I prophecy yeah. i think that we should then do um a part a two part series yeah. or, okay so we'll do a part two of this conversation yeah. because i know that we've talked about balance a little bit on the casual council but yeah. i think that it's kind of a good conversation especially like after having this conversation to kind of discuss again yeah. between the three of us, like what 
what is that, like, what does that balance look like? Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to find, I mean, there's so many different interpretations of what it means to have balance in the force. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that would be an interesting conversation for us to all have again. Could be seeing Obi-Wan in your pan clocks. I don't know. You never know. I don't know. But Holly, uh, put a, uh, a dog ear on, on, on this memo here for us, uh, this page of the podcast, that when we do Holly's Drunk History, we might actually have to do a Lord of the Rings edition because <laughs> maybe we could tell the story of the Ents, and I would love to dress up as a tree. Um, Perfect. So I think that could be a lot of fun. Uh, guys, but I, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, we got sweaty there in the end, and that's what happens. Talk a little news, and then Nettie's throwing some awesome discussion out, and we just take it and we ran with it um, into a place that Nettie probably didn't even want us to go. But that's 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 what happens when you get the three of us together start, uh, talking about Star Wars. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, be looking for our, our latest Casual Council coming up. Uh, I, I promised a, a two-episode week last week. Didn't get it, but this week you are getting two episodes uh, this episode and our casual council. So uh, a lot of good discussion on that one too. Uh, we, we'd mentioned a little bit of it here. So look forward to that. Um, I thank you all for your time and your support. We appreciate it. If you're enjoying what you hear, let us know on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rate and a review, uh, hopefully five stars if you're enjoying it. Um, and if you enjoy a, a, a live video, uh, a live video, a long video format of the podcast, check out YouTube, uh, subscribe and like the videos there. Um, so however you can let us know you're appreciating it, do so check out our Patreon page. We've got some fun stuff on there. I've been teasing Holly's drunk history for a while, big production working on it. And maybe there's a Lord of the Rings edition here. We're going to see. Um, I think I play a pretty sexy, uh, tree beard, but that's just me. Um, with a little poison ivy flare. I don't know. We'll see what, what, what pops up phrasing. Um, but guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we'll see you next time and may the force be with you always. <laughs>